Hi, my name's Silas, aka Silector. I was born and raised in East Oxford, which I'm very proud of. Since I left Oxford, however, I've battled with my identity as an Oxfordian, after having to tirelessly enlighten people about the alternative Oxford that isn't represented in popular media. People just don't seem to know the Oxford I know and love. Students of Oxford and Brooks University make up only around about 20% of the population, yet seem to contribute more to the stereotype of a young Oxfordian than the other 80% of the population. In fact, the Oxford I see boasts the third highest ethnic minority population in South East England. The neighbourhoods in Oxford I'm most familiar with are amongst the 20% most deprived in England, where one in four children live below the poverty line and 22% of adults have little or no educational qualifications. As of this, over breakfast, I wanted to talk to people who are from the same place as me and have gone on to do great things with their lives and see how they have explored their identity as an unfortunate Oxfordian. To the uh, unfortunate Oxfordian. <laughs> I'm joined by someone very, very unfortunate. Um, goes by the name of Taser. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Though? I'm all good, man. I'm all good. I'm all good. good. <laughs> yeah, thanks for doing this, man. So, no problem. Just uh, for the people listening, uh, I think the reason why I wanted to do this is because I am someone who's left Oxford mm-hmm. and feels the need to constantly explain to people that Oxford has black people. I hear what you're saying. And Oxford has like working class, culture, ghettos if you wish. Yeah, people um, assume otherwise. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in the build-up since I was doing like reading on loads of stats and I found that like there's about 150,000 people in Oxford. Yeah. Of that, 30,000 are like affiliated with the universities. Yeah. But from the outside looking in, it, it would seem like the yeah. majority is the university. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um. I had the same thing when I was in uni, especially mm. explaining to people that okay, yeah, I'm not like the only black person in Oxford, and it is yeah. a real place. It's not like Hogwarts or anything. Exactly. Like, yeah. But so I, let's let's go go back because I feel we've kind of ended up in quite similar industries, mm-hmm. um, and we grew up right next to each other. Oh yeah, we, you know I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. You know. You know, I thought you were American. Did you? Everyone thought I was American, you know. Because I used to see you out my window, yeah. like in basketball gear, mm. <laughs> and then I know you were really into like hip hop, like American hip hop. Yeah, man. So I thought oh, it's an American guy that lives near me. <laughs> everyone, it's funny. Everyone just assumed that yeah, it's just that American guy, but it's actually my dad that his sister lives in America, so he was always going to America mm. and bringing back all the gear and stuff. Mm. And then that's how I got even more like introduced into the music. Mm. So when everyone was listening to like grime and garage and stuff, I was there listening to like Tupac, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Biggie. But yeah, it's weird. Like we actually grew. I thought you had a sister, and then you told me you don't have a sister. No, I don't, I you know I legitimately child. like. I can see your sister now. Like I legitimately believed you had a sister. I can't even see my sister now. That's weird. <laughs> That's so weird. I remember saying to you, like, oh, how's your sister? And you were like, I don't have a sister. I was like, what? Who did you think was my sister? I don't know. But there was someone that I'm 100% convinced was your sister, but apparently it wasn't your sister. Really? Mm-hmm. On, you saw me on Falcon Close? It might have been Jasmine Ramby. I we hung out that. a lot, but we weren't related. All the time. Always with you. All the time. I mean, there's always a girl with me. It's this film, remember? You can't be saying that. <laughs> so my girlfriend's probably going to watch this. <laughs> but yeah, so like, for you, what was it like growing up on Park and Close? Because I feel like... Wow, man, Park and Close, that was, um, what was that, almost 20 years ago now, if not 20 years ago. For, for the people who don't know, Park and Close is yeah. close in Black Bundy's, right it's, by the book. Yeah. So it smells. Is it like, um, mm. would you say it's a housing estate? I'm not sure if you would call it a housing estate. Says, mm. but it's like um, well, it's a blender. Yeah, like a civil parish they call it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Out. So it's like a lot of it's like government housing, but there's also private housing. But it yeah, yeah. it's generally tends to be like working class. Yeah, yeah. Members of society. Mm. So like, growing up, there was always that stigma of like, okay, you're from Black Belize, mm. like, 
you, you're probably like this or you're probably like that. You probably hang around with the wrong kind of people. You're probably going to be a bad influence. When that yeah. isn't actually the case. Yeah, yeah. People also assume that, like, living there, I thought living there was, like, blessed. I thought it was, like, mm. it was so chill. I feel like we didn't have any worries, but people always like, oh, Black Belize, it's this dangerous place. But to me, nothing ever happened to me there, so I couldn't ever call it dangerous. I hear that, yeah. And I feel like the sense of community in Falcon Coast as well mm-hmm. is like, no matter where I've lived, nothing compares to like the community that was there. Like everyone knew each other, everyone spoke to each other. Not everyone got along, but at least you, you knew who lived across the street, you knew who lived like on the other side it's of... It's ironic you say that because you lived four doors away. No, I knew you. <laughs> yeah, that's actually... <laughs> yeah. That's funny because I, I knew you. Yeah. I think you must have spoken like once or twice. Mm. And because I remember you moved in after after we were there. Mm. Like I remember you were like one of the last people to move in on like that row of houses. Mm. It's funny because it was like loads of different streets combined into one street. Like they called it yeah. Falcon Coast, but there was about it's eight like a, streets it's got there. Legs. Yeah, it was so strange. But um, yeah, I remember when you moved in it's funny because I don't think we ever did like hang, like, out, hang out. Yeah, it's weird. And we lived like four houses down mm. from each other. But I guess a lot of my childhood was where I, we moved from Nigeria. A lot of my childhood was kind of like sheltered. Yeah, yeah. In terms of like, I didn't have the same freedoms that a lot of the other kids had. So I wasn't like allowed to just go out and play. Like occasionally I would, mm. but I wasn't always allowed to go out and play. And then I took an interest in computers. And then from there, I just stayed inside learning stuff on computers. Basically, you were a nerd. Yeah, I was a big yeah. nerd, a big nerd. You one of them nerds that's into like Dragon Ball Z? You know, I was into Dragon Ball Z, but not like heavily. But I did love Dragon Ball. I loved a bit of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I was kind of similar. Like, um, I was quite recluse. And yeah. I think the benefit of being an only child. You know what? Every time I tell people I'm an only child, they're always like, "Oh." Yeah. And I'm like, it's not sad. <laughs> like, yeah, because I, I guess have to share my debts. <laughs> That's the main thing. Like, <laughs> I probably wouldn't DJ as much as I did if I was an only child. Yeah. So yeah, as a result, I was quite, I guess similar to you in a sense, like, I just stayed in quite a lot. I think before I moved to Black Belize as well, yeah. I was aware of the stigma. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, and so as a result, when I got there, I was really cautious mm. to like, immerse myself in it. Yeah, and I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And that's probably part of the reason why I was such a, a recluse. Mm. And stayed in and just yeah play computer games and learn how to DJ. Yeah, I think mean, we were pretty much the same problem. I didn't learn how to DJ those times. I was I was into listening to music mm. and I was fascinated by the sounds and everything, but I didn't mm. take an interest in like producing music or mixing and stuff until later on in my life. Your come up has been mad <laughs> when you put it that way, because I feel like I mean I've been playing about since I was about nine years old, mm-hmm. like with production and everything. Yeah, but I never really like came up like you did in such a short space of time. And I really, I massively admire it, man. Thank always, you very much. Me and Chad talk about you often, to be honest. Chad, I haven't seen Chad in years. <laughs> Big up, Chad. <laughs> um, yeah, tell me about that, because I feel like just before you left the uni, well, mm. you might have already been at uni, but I remember we started hanging out with Lewis mm. and Chad. I think I was in uni those times. Okay. I was probably in my second year of uni. Mm. It's funny, like you said, even me, like the come up to me has been like crazy mm. because I don't remember like a specific point where I was like, all right, cool, mm. I'm going to do music. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just like, I just fell into it, mm. I guess. I went to university. I wasn't doing a music related course. I was oh. doing media production, so filming and stuff. Mm. And then I went to like a club for the first time mm. and I was like, oh, this is crazy. Like, I like this. And I went to a yeah. house music event. Yeah. And I said, no. If I thought that was crazy, this is crazy. And I said, yeah, yeah. I looked at the DJ and I thought, you know what? I don't mind learning how to DJ. So I downloaded Virtual DJ, as yeah. you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was even an illegal copy I got. Got a little new mark mixer. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even get a new mark mixer, you know. Oh, yeah. I was on Virtual DJ for a hot minute. I was on oh, Virtual yeah. DJ for like a year. Mm. And I would borrow my, because I didn't have a laptop. I only had a desktop at uni. Mm. I would borrow my friend's laptops to practice DJing and stuff. Then I started mm. a radio show. Yeah. And then I was like, cool, like now I can put my mixing skills and to yeah, like yeah. the test. But th- I was trash, I know I was trash. Like <laughs> looking back, but at the moment, I thought, yeah, I'm really good. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so we were mixing on radio for um, University of Bedfordshire, the university I went to. And I had a show, we would talk and I will play music. And then we got like scouted by a local radio station. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, next year, after this uni, when you come back, why don't you come and work on our station? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, like sick. And then we went to the station, look, and I saw they had decks, and I was like, 
oh, yeah. now's my time to like learn. Yeah, yeah, I was like, cool. So that summer, I worked in um, Shoe in Oxford. I saved up to buy it's desk. Mad. My first job was at Shoe. Is it? In Oxford. Wait, yeah. we didn't work together, did we? No, we didn't no, work together. I was like 16 at the time. Oh, okay, yeah. Time ago. <laughs> That's actually crazy. <laughs> so I remember saving up to buy decks. Yeah. And I finally had enough to buy decks. And like back then, like decks are expensive now, but yeah. back then, to someone that wasn't like making a significant income, like and student loan in that. Yeah, <laughs> the price of decks. I remember I paid like I think I paid one thousand two hundred for two American audio decks. Not even like top of the range pioneer decks. Mad. I got two American audios. What like, CDJs were these? Yeah, CDJs yeah. and um, I'm like a basic two-channel mixer that just had low and yeah. um, high, and that's it. Oh man! And I, so I bought it, and yeah. I was thinking, yes. Yeah, let me do this. Like, I've got it. So I set the decks up and then I started and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it was so hard. I was like, what have I done? I was thinking I've wasted all my money. <laughs> I remember just sitting in my room and thinking, nah, like, what have I done? Like, this is such yeah, yeah. like a shambles. Like, was it this... Serato things then or was it literally just CDs? Literally CDs. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I was like, nah, I've, I've wasted all my money. Like, that's it. Like, yeah, this yeah. is too hard. But then I stuck to it and I literally spent like, in a day, I'll spend about 12 hours mixing or practicing mixing, mm. like just doing it, doing it, doing it. And eventually I started to get the hang of it. And I was like, oh, like this could run. Mm. And then one day someone was like, oh, I heard you're a DJ. Like, I heard you're getting into DJing. How about I book you to, to play at the club if, if you um, promote it to people? And I was okay. like, cool. So basically, then I thought, oh yeah, he wants me to DJ because he heard my DJ, but it was actually he just wanted me to promote the event for him. He just thought you had a bit of like clout. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I did that, and then I did um, my first set in a club, mm. and um, it wasn't at, I knew there would be pioneers there, mm. but the American audience at the time, they could play MP3s on a CD. Oh, yeah. In the club, you, you had to like burn. like 100 tracks on it. Yeah, but yeah. in the club, you had to put an audio CD into the pioneers. They had the Mark IIs, I think. Mm. They didn't play MP3s. So I put my music in, nothing, I'm like, I'm thinking, what's going on? What's going on? But luckily, a few of my CDs I had burnt as regular CDs. Yeah, yeah. And then I was just trying those, and I got the, the I got, I like, I realized, oh, it doesn't play data MP3 CDs. It only plays actual audio CDs. Yeah, yeah. So I did my set. My hands were shaking. I remember to this day, like, there was a guy called Dom Peps DJing behind, like, before me. Yeah. And following him is like a big thing. Mm. My hands were shaking. I remember pressing Q and looking down, and my hand was literally like. Like, oh, I've man. never had that before. My hand was shaking. I remember just doing it. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, man. Like, <laughs> the club was full. It's a club called, um, I can't even remember the name of the club now, but it was in Luton. I think yeah, it yeah. even shut down because someone got stabbed in there. Oh, <laughs> but I remember my hand was shaking. I remember thinking, the club's full. These are all my peers because they were all in uni. They were all in my year. Mm. Thinking, now it's either like make or break. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, God, Lord, just give me strength. So I press Q. I didn't go straight to play, I went Q, 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 so it was like, do, do, then I pressed play. Yeah. I think my first track was African Warrior by Donair. Yeah, yeah. Everyone just went mad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah and then yeah. because everyone's going crazy, you have more confidence in yourself. Yeah, yeah, fully. So then I remember playing that, and then I mixed um, Crackish by Genius, yeah. and then I played... Um, Old Time yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a, like, he's a legend in the yeah. game. Yeah, he's a legend in the game. I remember playing, I had a legal copy of that track, so it didn't get downloaded. Okay. <laughs> I think everyone had a legal yeah, copy. Record, yeah. Anyway, so I played Crackish. Mm. And then, do you remember uh, MC called Trilla? Trilla Tremaine Trilowski. Yeah. Birmingham, one yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was at the rave. Yeah. And then he was like, he was in the crowd and he was like, who's this DJ? Then he came up and he was like, hey, let me jump on your set. And I was like, go ahead, bro. Your first My set. My first set. So I'm mixing, Triller's like spitting bars. Yeah. And when I tell you, you tap yellow, get banging that, bro, the club went mad. Everyone's telling me to wheel it. Don Peps, the person that I looked up to, yeah. when I was, when I saw that DJ DJ in the house club, yeah. it was actually him. And I didn't realize until later. Yeah, yeah. So the person I look up to is running up to me and wheeling up the deck yeah, for me. Yeah. He's like, Bro, you're killing it, you're killing it. I'm thinking, wow, like, this is my first event. Yeah, yeah. And it's going this well. And I thought, if I can do this every night that I'm DJ, there's nothing that can stop me from, like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Getting to where I want to be. So that went crazy. And then from there, I just started getting booked for uni raves. Yeah, yeah. And it just went crazy in terms of DJing. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I moved back to Oxford for that summer. And I thought, you know what? I can DJ. Might as well let's produce. And that's what happened. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting you come from that angle because I know a lot of like 
producers who have to DJ to play their music. Mm -hmm. Exactly, like a lot of producers learn how to produce and then learn how to DJ, like you said, to mm. play the music. With me, I had an interest in conduction when I was young. Mm. I remember we went away somewhere, I think it was Kingswood or Yangwood or something. Mm. They had a program called EJ. Okay. I think it was called EJ. And you could like produce simple, it's like Fruity Loops, but yeah, like yeah. really basic. So just bare sound yeah. ones you can put together. So I remember doing that and I remember being good at it, but then after we left that trip, I never really delved back into it. Yeah. And then when we were in uni, I think it was just like, all right, cool. I play Funky House. I like Funky House. I listen to it all the time. And that was, just for the record, that was the period where Funky was the team. It was. What was that, like 2013, 2012? No, it was before that. It was like 2010, 2011. Okay. That's, yeah, yeah. I think my second year was 2010. Yeah, yeah. So I remember being like, cool, Funky House, because from my hit, like knowledge of production, mm. it's not that hard because it's just one, two, three, four, with a like weird, yeah, like, yeah. So I was like, oh, it shouldn't be that hard. Mm. So I just started making music, and I was really bad at it. But my first track that I ever finished, yeah. DJ Pioneer played it on, um, was that on go, Kiss. I remember, is it Go Down? You had a track no, there? Epilepsy was my first track. Yes! Yeah, that was I my first Chad, ever track. Chad played it a lot. And I literally finished it, yeah. and then it was being played on radio like the next day. On, I think it was yeah, Kiss, um, mm. DJ Pioneer's song. I was like, why am I so lucky that I just do stuff and then yeah. it just like skips loads of steps and then yeah. lands in places where people have like tried ages to be in. I think a lot of it's to do with, I don't take no for an answer. I was just like, if people are like, oh yeah, like you can start, but you're not going to be really good at it. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to aim for the sky. So I made the track and I said, I'm going to send it to the radio DJs. Yeah, yeah. And then a bunch of them played it. And like, it was my first track. It wasn't even like, um, it wasn't even like, the typical layout in terms of bars. It wasn't yeah. like one, two, three, four, yeah. and then one, two, three, four, one, two, it was like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, breakdown, one, two, three, four, like it didn't yeah. really make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that's what helped like the track because it was called Epilepsy, so it's like, you know, a bit skittish, yeah. like, yeah. So yeah, that got paid on radio and I was like, yo, I'm actually quite good at this um, <laughs> music yeah, yeah. stuff. So I just started making music and I was really bad at it, but I just got better and better and then, from there, like, it just literally skyrocketed. Yeah, yeah. Literally. Like. I think I remember for you, especially through Chad, because I remember you were very close to Chad at the time, it was, the, the tune up, I think, obviously, made you bust, so to speak, was, um, oh, what's it called again? With the, uh, the sample from Notorious B.I.G. Oh, Wet Dollars. <laughs> Wet Dollars, of course, yeah, yeah. So I remember hearing that in its infancy. Mm -hmm. Chad, Chad was like, Oh yeah, yeah, Tommy just sent me this. Mm. And all it was was the drum beat. Mm. Kick, 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 kick. Yeah. Kick, and I'm like, it's alright. <laughs> the thing is, I'm like, even when I think something's sick, mm -hmm. I won't really say it. <laughs> so Chad's like, oh, this is good, isn't it? I'm like, it's alright. But deep down I was thinking, yeah, I like that. You know? That's funny. And I didn't really realise how much of a big deal it was until I went to a rave in Bristol. And it was like, really dark techno. Mm -hmm. um, you wouldn't have expected that tune to be played, but they played the tune towards the end of the night, like yeah. it was about 4am, and it went off. Yeah. And I remember being at the back of the club thinking, maybe this guy is this guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. And somehow it's made it to this DJ, who's obviously in Bristol, mm -hmm. and that was the, the moment I realised that, yeah, Tommy's doing something special right now, man. And then you've got Tink on the remix, and then the, the rest is history. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> like, for me, like, I made Wet Dollars, like, that was a period in my life where, especially with Chad, we were just like, I'll just make music, I'll send it to Chad, mm. and that's it. Yeah, I'll yeah. send it to a few DJs, that's it. Like, I wasn't really like pursuing music as a career. Yeah. To me, it was more like, oh, this is something I love to do mm. and I enjoy doing. So I remember that day that I made Wet Dollars. I was in my room. I remember it so clearly. I was in my room. My I had a tiny room then. Yeah. I had my laptop that I had saved up money for. I yeah. traded my decks for this laptop. I oh, we got rid of the decks at this point. Yeah, so I thought, let me trade my decks for a laptop and buy Serato. So okay. I did that, and yeah, then yeah. it worked out because, like, I was like, you know what? I went practice at home because I spent, I probably spent hundreds of hours practicing in the first six months of having decks. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, you know what? You have, you can practice at radio yeah. where they have decks. Yeah. But in the meantime, just use Serato and have a laptop, a Mac, so you can produce music. Yeah. So I was producing music on. Um, I was producing music. <laughs> Sorry, I just walked in. So weird. So I was producing music. I was like, yeah. So I had been producing music on my laptop. So I remember moving back to Oxford after uni. 
I was sitting down, I was making, um, I was on Logic, had the iPod headphones in, and I was watching a video of um, people like cutting shapes. I was like, wow, like these people are really good. Like, let me make a track for the people that like to dance and don't just like enjoy the music just for how it sounds. They want to like move to it. So I was like, cool. Opened up Logic, and then I made the drum pattern. And I remember being like, all right, one, two, three, four, is what everyone does. So I did one, two, then I did three, four, and then five. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was like five kicks in the four bar. Because it goes, doom, 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 yeah, yeah. So I did that, right? And I was like, oh, OK, so that has a little vibe too. Who might like that? And I thought, all right, cool. Yo, well, I think that's what makes it black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you put that little soul in it. Because yeah, this has yeah. all come from like my hip hop history and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. doing stuff that I would hear, but I never realized that that's what I was doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I was just kind of like, replicating stuff that I heard in my past mm-hmm. and putting it into like a house format. Yeah. So I remember doing that and thinking, yo, what does it need now? Claps. So I did the clap, 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 clap. And I was like, yeah. oh yeah, clap. And I was thinking, yeah, this is sick. <laughs> I remember yeah. iPod headphones, I was like, mm. <laughs> yeah. I thought, what else does it need? And it said, it needs hi-hats. Yeah. I just went, I didn't even do like the typical, I just did rapid hats, like it was a trap beat. And I remember being like, yeah, this is crazy. And I thought, let me send this to Chad. So I got my iPhone out. I still have the voice note to this day. I said, Chad, what do you think about this? Sending the voice note, he said, this is sick. And I was like, I'm not sure about it. He's like, nah, that's sick. All right, all right, cool. So I kept doing it and I thought, you know what? This needs now a crazy bass line. So on Logic, there's a synth called ESP. It's like the basic Logic synth. I remember opening it and just effing with it, like turning everything up to crazy levels until I got a sound that was clear, but super like overpowering, like dirty. And then I EQ'd it and I took off. People don't realize this. There's like no low end on the track at all. It's all mid, but it like emulates the low end of a track. So I did that and I thought, yeah, so this means anyone that plays it anywhere, you'll be able to hear the bass, even if you're listening on an iPhone, if you're listening yeah, like on that. basic headphones, if you're in a club, yeah. if you're in a car with a basic sound system, you'll still be able to hear the bass. Even though you won't be able to feel it, you'll still hear it, and then your brain will trick you into thinking you're feeling it. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, cool. So I just did, dum, 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 dum. And I was like, <laughs> that's like the simplest bass lines ever, and it worked. It worked, man, yeah. It wasn't even like side chained or anything. Just because I took off the low ends, I mm. got away with it. I thought, cool. Let me send this to Chad. Chad said, this sounds crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking, all right, cool. What else do I need to do to um, make it stand out? And then I thought, it needs something on top of the bass, yeah. doing the same thing that the bass is, but that it just sounds like almost commercial. It's a noise that people can make with their mouths, I wanted to do. So I remember opening um, ES2, another um, Logic sim, and then just messing with it. And the sound that you hear in White Dollars, that that that's actually a wood block but just pitched yeah and then i put like a release on it and i've taken off the attack and stuff and then yeah i did that and that's that's how the track was made and i sent it to chad that's the secret i sent it to chad and i was like chad was like this is crazy and he was like yeah that's so nuts like just leave it like that and release it and i thought you know what else it needs And I, I was thinking earlier that day i'd been listening to biggie and i remember listening to nasty girl the start it goes i go and i thought why hasn't anyone used that? So I just went, put it in the track, and I cut other parts of the track, just put it in, and that's how the track was made. That's amazing, man. In one, like, one evening. I feel, <laughs> I'm not sure if you've been told this before, but I feel you were, like, a pioneer in putting hip-hop samples on house music. You know what? A lot of people have said that to me. It's weird when people say, oh, yeah, you started this phrase, or you're, like, one of, like, the founding fathers of this. To me, it was just like, yeah, I was just making music. Yeah, yeah. But when I look back on it now, like, no one was doing that. Exactly, yeah. No one was doing that at all. And then. And that maybe comes from your hip hop background, it's like just instinctive. Yeah, to me, it, there wasn't anything else I could put there. Mm. It was like, I'm either going to sample hip hop or mm. it's going to be an instrumental. Yeah. And then, I sampled hip hop. And then from there, people were like, Dollars is crazy, but Dollars is crazy. Then I go out and I start hearing similar tracks. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. like, this is like, where Dollars is, this is sick. Yeah. But I never realized that a lot of those tracks, even if I go on Twitter now, I see that people like Defector the other day asked the question like, name significant house tracks or significant tracks to you. And then I saw someone write, Wet Dollars yeah. has to be like the number one significant track for me because it like changed house music in the UK. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading that comment and thinking, I just made that on iPod headphones in my room, like bro, it's not that deep. It's funny, I was, I was talking to Hard House Banton about it actually. Yeah. Because I think there was definitely a period of time in the UK, obviously we have this whole like dance music continuum. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, house was kind of 
aside from that. Yeah. Like people always saw a house as like just something that Germans raved to. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's because it didn't really have that, that swing, that soul. Yeah. Um, and you, alongside a lot of the UK funky pioneers, yeah. kind of brought that swing into it, brought that soul and made it like, appropriate it for like, us kind. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because um, I completely hear what, you, I, I completely get what you're saying because when I first started listening to house music, a lot of it was just imitating what people in Europe with other parts of Europe were doing. Mm. People, especially people in like Germany, um, a lot of like um, French and like Spanish sounds were being used by the UK guys. Mm-hmm. And then I think coming off the back of Funky, like Funky died and then a lot of the Funky guys were like, all right, what are we going to do now? Because no one's listening to Funky. Yeah, yeah. So they started making, they started deep making house. house. Like yeah, they, yeah. We, we, we were saying deep house. It wasn't even deep house. Yeah, it was just yeah. literally like UK house, I guess is what you would call it now. Yeah, yeah. We started making deep house, but we weren't doing what the, the French or the German or the Spanish were doing. We were doing what we did on Funky. Yeah, yeah. But slower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's literally all we did. Down to like 120. Yeah, we, so we brought the BPM down and we just followed the basic principles of house. Kick, yeah. clap, kick, clap, hats. And then we just like freaked it from there. Yeah, so yeah. I think like that generation, like Hard House Banton, like coming off the back of Monkey, I think he was one of the first people to like... Shout out Hard House Banton. Yeah, he's, he's a legend. He's a boy, yeah. I've never met him before, but I remember always playing Rain. And Rain, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, but um, I feel like... Tracks like Rain were already going into that house music direction yeah, yeah. before anyone else was. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like the whole funky scene just moved to house music, bringing that soul that we had taken from like garage and we had taken think, from everywhere else. Do you think UK funky was kind of killed by MCs? 100%. Because it stopped being about dancing, it started being about MCs. It started being about like the skanks. Yeah. Like, like, back in the day, it was bare fun, but looking back at it, people were saying stupidness. Like, yeah, no. It, foot yeah, it was right. dumb. It was fun. It was fun at the time. Yeah, yeah. But. I remember getting a wheel up over. You were DJing, I think. Yeah. At Rapongi. <laughs> you remember? Shout out Rapongi versus Bashment night. No one cared about Bashment. It was mm. all about funky that night. Mm-hmm. And I did that stupid, I want to see you get down again. And we got mad wheel ups. I remember that night. I remember that night. <laughs> I, you know, I, <laughs> you were just like a flood of memories. <laughs> I remember what I was wearing. That's how yeah, crazy yeah. it is. Yeah, back then, people wanted to hear the beat and they wanted to hear MC repeat yeah, yeah. and instruction. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> because it meant that anyone, even if you can't dance, yeah, yeah. you know what you're going to do you're next. Actually, one thing is all of yeah, Trust me. Yeah, yeah. But I think ultimately that. It stopped being about dancing, especially the MCs. They stopped talking about dancing and started just MCing. Yeah, yeah. Then it just went like, because the beats were no longer like, yeah, it was more like, ah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, that just RIP'd Funky House for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a time to die, though, because we needed that natural progression, because Funky House, it wasn't getting commercial success. Mm. It was just getting, like, club scene, uni, uni scene success. Yeah, yeah. And then um, when it died, Everyone that was in funky, or most of the people that were in funky, that were smart enough to change to house music. Mm. Yeah, we would. It was like we all, we had a leg up over everyone already. Yeah, yeah. We had the DJs who knew us. Yeah. We had the crowds. So yeah. Bringing it back to like Oxford. Hmm. Um. Obviously, there was like like I mentioned with funky. There was yeah. like there is a scene in Oxford of people who like follow musical style or what's the word the dance music continue whatever you want to call yeah. it um, how much of a difference was there in Oxford compared to like Luton where you were yeah. and even like by this point I'm guessing you're like in London a lot as well yeah I was DJing in London a bit but I remember like DJing in uni and Luton and London's cool mm. for the crowds and everything and then people know the music as well but mm. I felt like in Oxford, it was such like a niche thing at the time, house music. Yeah. That the people that were into house music were like your ride or dies. I remember there was like a group of girls. There was um, Crystal Whitaker, yeah. Bianca Whitaker. I was going to say, you, you can name yeah. girl, but you just went straight in. Yes. <laughs> Marie Claire, um, yeah. can't remember her name, Brian, I think. Um, Samantha Loveridge, who's doing really well now. Man, yeah, big up, man. And yeah. um, who else was there? There was a bunch of them, I think. I, 
I'll type the house skills. Yeah, that's I, on house skills, but I'm mad for Yeah, that's on really hard. That's on really hard. You know you're bringing back so many memories. Yeah, yeah. They ah, that was good. Yeah, nah, that song goes hard. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was... Anyway. Yeah, the house girls in Oxford, they were like, super supportive. Like, it wasn't even like, they weren't even being like, fangled. They were just like, fans of the music. Yeah. And they were like, cool. If, if Tommy's DJing, or if Samantha's DJing, Mm. or anyone's playing house in Oxford, we're there at the front, supporting. Even if it's dead, we're there at the front and they would stay to the end. And that, for me, is such a significant thing because in London, people come, they listen to the music, then you do your house set and then there might be a bashment set in the next room. Everyone will be in there, Mm. in the scene I was DJing in anyway, coming Mm. off the uni scene. Then when you go to house raids, it was like house, but people weren't really, I think people were there for more like posing and like, yeah, yeah, it's house music. But in Oxford, it was like, we're actually like die-hard fans of the music. And I think that's down to the fact it was such a niche thing that if you're into it, you're into it. If you're not, you're not. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't any time for like messing around or dilly-dally. Like. And I think to me, especially knowing those girls, because Ox was so small, mm. it was a boost in a sense because it always felt like you had people that were rooting for you. Mm. Whereas everywhere else it had, you were just people coming into the rave. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, to yeah. listen to music. I feel like in Oxford, the support was so much, it allowed me to like continue doing what I was doing and knowing that even if I'm just playing in Oxford, people are going to like it, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So I think Oxford's good in the sense that when people are into something, I feel like they're legitimately into it. But I feel, yeah, I feel like now it's changed a bit though and it's become more like London where people pretend they're into stuff just to sound like, like they're in the, in the crowd. The state, yeah. yeah. But that's one thing I always describe between, like the difference between Oxford and London, mm-hmm. or even Bristol, because I lived in Bristol for a long time. Yeah, I remember that. Place like Oxford, and maybe more so Bristol, it's small enough to have like a real sense of community. Yeah. Then again, big enough to have a lot going on. Yeah, exactly. Um, the difference with those places in London is that I feel in London, everyone's very conscious of where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. And very stroke your chin and be like, oh, okay, so what's he doing here? Yeah, yeah. How's this going to make him money? Whereas in Oxford, I think people just like, just enjoy it. Exactly. Like, there's not really, people aren't really conscious of business and yeah, definitely. success and career and whatever. Now it's just like, yo, like, at the time it was like, sorry, it was just like, yeah, Taser's DJing, sick. Mm. He's playing house music, sick. Let's just go. Yeah, yeah. We'll hear Breach Jack. We're yeah. um, Julio Bashmore. Yeah, We're yeah. like at the time those crazy tracks, yeah. yeah. And the people were just there, and they would love the music, and they would know the names. Yeah, yeah. Like they'll know the Can you play this? Can you play that? And it was like, it was so cool because, again, in London, you don't feel that. Mm. At the time, anyway, you didn't feel that kind of energy coming from people, mm. especially where I was like, I was known, but I wasn't well known. So like, I wasn't respected like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But in Oxford, people would be like, yeah, like. Yeah, He's yeah. the guy for house music, like me, like it was, I remember at the time it was me, Chad, Samantha, um, my friend Daryl Alexop, um, Archie Bizzle, and Blaine, like we were like the house people yeah. in terms of like, we knew the music and we were playing it. Yeah, like, yeah. we would go to a rave, like I remember being booked for raves where they'll be playing hip hop before me. I'll come on, I'll play house, I didn't Straight care, house, I'll yeah. just play it. And people would love it, yeah, yeah. but like, yeah, it changed, man. But at that time, it was crazy. Do, do you ever, like, as an extension of having to explain what Ox was like to people, mm-hmm. is it more confusing for people that you make house as well? Have people ever come up to you and be like, oh, hey, where are you from? You're like, Oxford. You're like, yeah, but you're black and you make house. You can't be from Oxford. And I feel like those are, like, three, like, oxymorons. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy because being black and making house straight away is like whoa that's a bit weird like you're it's black ironic, though, because it comes from, from like, black like, people yeah, it comes, yeah it, exactly China. like people like frankie knuckles i was listening to radio um i think it was radio six music and they yeah. did like a whole day of talking about house music yeah, yeah and how house music became what it is yeah and it was like literally like it came from black people it came yeah, from yeah. like black culture because we didn't have places to go to and then when we did have places to go to, we were playing like disco and then disco just turned into like this like weird genre of music and people didn't know what it was called. It didn't have a name at the time, but because like you said, because it was in warehouses, yeah. 
And people would actually live at these warehouses. They'll be like, oh, yeah, he's the guy that plays house music. Yeah, yeah. And then it just became house music. And it's crazy because now it's like house music is seen as like a thing for white people, mm. like above everyone else. When, in fact, I feel like it's rooted so deeply in black culture. If you listen yeah. to a lot of the music, like from that time up until now, a lot of it you can tell has been influenced by house music. Yeah, yeah. I feel like for, like I was saying, it's rooted so deeply in black culture that it's a shame because I feel like society as a whole has forgotten where house music came from. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now it's become more like, all right, cool. House music, you probably do drugs, you probably drink too much, you probably do this, you yeah, probably yeah. do that. But yeah, like I was saying, yeah, so being black and making house now, today, is seen as like this weird thing when to me it's like natural. And then being from Oxford and being black, yeah. It's like, what? There's black people in Oxford? Yeah, um, yeah. I have to, I remember being in uni, always explaining to people there's a thriving black community yeah, in yeah. Oxford. Like, it's like, it's not normal, it's not um, weird to see a black person in Oxford because there's so many. Yeah, I said, yeah. like, the diversity in Oxford, I feel, is so much like London. It's the third most multicultural place in the South East. Yeah, I never even knew that, but yeah, yeah. I could already tell that mm. Oxford, like, sitting here alone, mm. We haven't just seen white people go past, we haven't just seen black people. I've seen like a white person, black person, like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's so much um, culturally diverse that people, um, uh, people don't see that though on TV. Um, yeah. Because it's not portrayed like that. It's portrayed as the university education. Education is seen as like a white people thing, like yeah, yeah. higher education anyway. But um, yeah, so people were just like, I just gave up on explaining to people. Yeah. I literally just gave up. I was like, yeah, I'm from Oxford. And then, yep, I make house music. Yep, I'm black. And then it became, yep, I'm black. I make house music. And then it just became, yep, I made house music. Because I just stopped telling people everything else. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I didn't yeah. feel the need. Like, people would be like, oh, where are you from? And I'd be like, oh, near London. Yeah. Like, I, I, I just couldn't be bothered anymore. Yeah, yeah. Because it, the stigma of like, oh, Oxford, white education or that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that automatically puts you on a back foot when you open conversations with people. Mm-hmm. So I just started saying, yeah, near London, near London, yeah. Oh yeah, near well, London. That's interesting you said, that was going to be my next question. Let me quickly just press record on this camera again and <laughs> stop recording. All right. <laughs> Hello. There we go. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so it's interesting you said, because that was actually going to be one of my questions mm-hmm. about I'm, I can't help but notice everyone who's like doing something from Oxford. Yeah, there's always like a different approach to addressing it. Like I feel some people mm-hmm. will have on say their Facebook mm-hmm. London, even mm-hmm. though I know full well they're born and raised in Oxford. Oxford, yeah. And then there's others who like really feel the need to rep where they're from. I remember when I first went to Bristol, I changed my Facebook name to Silent to Oxford because mm-hmm. I was so on letting mm-hmm. people know I'm from Oxford. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of, well, I, I don't feel the need to like shout about it but if people ask I will say Oxford I just wanted to know like do you rep Oxford in a sense <laughs> do you feel like it's necessary for you to let people know that's where you're from um, I feel like in the music industry you have to be selective of who you tell you're from Oxford because mm. a lot of people a lot of like promoters a lot of um, regulate people they don't want to hear that because they're thinking, oh, he's far away, he's not in touch with what's going on here. Mm. So I feel like with those kind of people, you have to be very selective. But everywhere else, I'm like, yeah, I'm from Oxford. I don't care. Mm. I'll just tell anyone I'm from Oxford. In uni, I had people like, oh, Oxford, you're probably your waist, probably this. but I would stick it on anyone, bro. Yeah, yeah. With me, it was like, yeah, I'm from Oxford, but I'll still punch you in your face. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't cross me, but like, I'll tell anyone I'm from Oxford. To me, it's not like a, it's not something to be um, embarrassed about. Mm-hmm. Whereas I wouldn't say something to be proud of in a sense because yeah. I feel like Oxford has its own issues. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not like, yeah, I'm from Oxford. Like Oxford is this, Oxford is that. I just tell out, I'm from Oxford as black people. Mm. Like it's pretty culturally diverse. It's got issues, but yeah. It's, mm. from, it's not even far from London, so I don't know what you're complaining about. Yeah, people yeah. be like, oh, that sounds far. I'm like, yeah, like 30 minutes away, 40 minutes in away. In London, they call it country, innit? Yeah, and it's <laughs> actually like down the road. Like I can get to Oxford before I can get to some places in London. True, man. So I'm like... Yeah, you can say all of this, but at the end of the day, it's just a place that I live. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like any other place. Mm. Like, and in this day and age, we're all so connected anyway. Like, exactly. Being local is kind of unnecessary when you've got the internet. Exactly. So to me, it's just like, I'll tell anyone I'm from Oxford, like, 
when I'm when I was living in London, it said London on my page, but everywhere on my bios and everything says Oxford-based producer. Yeah, yeah. Um, on radio, when they introduce my songs, they're like, "Oh, this is from Oxford-based producer Taser." Because yeah. I'm thinking, wow, like people are saying seen as a disadvantage, but I see it as something different. That it's something to like tell people about yeah, when yeah. it comes to like my music being played on radio. But yeah, yeah. it was just hard initially because. You tell people from Oxford, and again, they feel like you're far away. They feel like you're not up to scratch. You don't know what's going on in the world. Mm. And it's like, um, it's not like that. So I feel like you just have to be quite strategic with how you yeah. do it. But, um, I used to clash with people at uni mm. who are also from Oxford. What, clash like this? No, or no, you no, mean? Like, I'll meet them out, and they'll yeah. be like, oh, yeah, yeah, so you're from Oxford. I'm like, yeah, yeah, and we'll just get excited about Oxford. And they'll be like, oh, okay, so what part of Oxford are you from? Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, Black Venue. And they'll be like, and they'll be like, hold the phone. First they'll be like, well, how did you make it to uni? <laughs> and then they'll be like, yeah, I've got a nan that lives over there. I don't bother seeing her there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't step foot in there. I so I think there's even like, with that being said, there's somewhat of a divide within Oxford. Yeah, that's like, this like microcosm of like, there's, there is a massive um, classism issue in Oxford. Like, mm. it's so apparent. People, yeah. like, if you're, I think it's if you're from North Oxford. Is it North Oxford? Or, yeah. south, or south of it's like north the north and the, the west is kind of like yeah where if, all the villages are as well yeah especially. if you're from there mm. because a lot of those houses in the area you have to have either had it handed down to you or you have to have bought it like with mm. a mortgage yeah so a lot of those people are white because historically they're the people that have been in this land we don't yeah. have those um, family roots going back hundreds of years yeah. we don't black people not all, I should say, but a lot of black people don't have family wealth, whereas mm. white people have that family wealth, so they can afford like these houses in these nice areas, yeah, yeah. and then they can afford to send their kids to these nice schools and stuff, and they, they stay within those areas, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But because coming to this country as a black person with nothing, mm. your only option is to move to somewhere like, like Black Belize, where the government provides housing for people that haven't got those family ties and those, that family money. So a lot of... Um, um, minorities, I say minorities, but in Black Belize, it's not a minority. Yeah, yeah. A lot of those minorities ended up being working class, living in working class areas. Mm -hmm. And I feel like just purely based on that, people immediately, are oh, Black Belize, that's where all the black people live, that's where all the Asian people live, that's mm -hmm. where all the, all the people that work in the factories live. Mm -hmm. And that immediately um, has this huge divide so that even my mum used to tell me like, oh, when you're applying for jobs in Oxford, if you're going to apply for jobs, don't put Black Belize on the thing. Just put your postcode. Right. Because people will see Black Belize and assume that they know who you are before you've, they've actually met you. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is like, it's disappointing because some of the best people and some of my friends that I have now, like <laughs> my greatest friends, are yeah. from Black Belize. They've never done me wrong. And haven't conformed to that negative stereotype that it holds. I feel like that negative stereotype that Black Belize holds, mm. if these people that are, are casting this stereotype really take a look at their own society, like even if you look in, West, um, in North Oxford and all those areas, mm. This, the, you, you have people that are delinquents everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's right. just that in Black Belize, people see them, ah, oh, yeah. They already think Black Belize where all the black people live. Ah, oh, they're all like that. Yeah, yeah. It's not the case. Everywhere you go, you're going to get people that are doing it. I know girls from Oxford that take cocaine, heroin and all this. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Steal. They do all the stuff that people think that we should be doing. Yeah, yeah. But just because they live in North Oxford, people are like, oh, that's impossible. She doesn't do that. Yeah, yeah. But... My friends from Black Belize are like the realest. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Fully. they keep it like people like. I remember like Lewis May. I'm known him from Lewis, school. Yeah. Like, all type Lewis. Boy. Lewis May. My friend Vaughn Matthews. Um, a bunch of us like we like even if I haven't seen them for like two years, even if I haven't seen them for like five years, we're yeah. still like this. Yeah. They've never done me wrong. Yeah. It's my friends that I got from all these. Um, pockets yeah, these weird areas, these rich areas. Those are the people that have stabbed me in the back, mm. and it's crazy because. It continues to this day, and people don't realize that, all right, cool, just because you live somewhere doesn't mean that you have to fit into this... This pigeonhole. Yeah, mm. and the really disappointing thing for me is that I see now, our generation was like, yeah, we do whatever we want, but like we still go to school, we still do this, and we're still trying to achieve stuff, and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But I see now, this generation now, because they've had it drilled into them, but being from places like Bad Belize is such a bad thing, mm. that's what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. They want to be that stereotype. And it's disappointing because I look at a lot of kids in Oxford that go to like cellar and stuff, or even like my friends, like little 
little um, sisters or like little brothers. And I'm thinking, wow, like you and your brother or sister are so different because whereas you wanted to get out of that stereotype, they want to be that stereotype. Yeah. Like they see that as the cool thing right now. Mm. And I, think was like, I feel like things like the media have like caused this issue where, especially like with music like Grime, it's like they, they demonize it so much. Mm. They demonize it, but it's actually what people like to listen to. But yeah, because yeah. they're hearing it getting demonized in one year and then they love it in the other, they're just taking both and they're becoming both. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like in places like in Bat Belize, a lot of people are just really messing up their lives because they don't realize that they're just conforming with what everyone else says they are. Yeah, and yeah. it doesn't have to be like that. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. Yeah. But that's how it is with all societies. If someone tells you you're something long enough, you're going to start to believe it. And that's mm. what's going to happen. It's happened like throughout time, throughout mm. history. They said, um, black people in America, oh, you guys, you won't amount to nothing. Oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't. And then they internalize it. Yeah, and then that's what has actually happened. Like, mm. we have become what we were told we are, even though at the time we weren't. Like, black people, we didn't come to, yeah, I'm going off topic, but black people didn't come to America as, they didn't come to America as slaves. They mm. came to America as kings and queens, do you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. The royalty with our own religion, our own culture, do you know mm. what I'm saying? But then, we got told so much that we're something else that we just wiped all of that out of the game now. And I feel like that's what's happening in all these other areas. Like, they're being told you're this, you're that, you're this. This area is that. People are just like forgetting that we aren't that. We're just yeah. being told. But now it's just like, yeah, we're this. Oh, yeah, I'm cool because I smoke weed and I, 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 I do this and I, I stay up late, I sneak out the house, I go to all these. I'm thinking, nah, that's not cool. Yeah, yeah. You're just being a fool. Like, you're not, you're not, yeah, yeah. you're just growing up to be a failure. Like, yeah. And, you try and tell them, and a lot of them like, so what, I'm from Black Belize, man. You don't know about it in Black Belize. I'm thinking, wow, you think I didn't live in Black Belize, bro? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I lived in Black Belize, you know? Yeah, yeah. I lived in Black, we lived in Black Belize when people were getting, I remember people would get killed in Black Belize. Really, yeah, yeah. And it, people from Black Belize were going to prison and stuff. Yeah. Like, we grew up in those times where I thought Black Belize was even worse than it is now. Yeah. But people were looking at you and like, oh, like, oh, you don't know what it is. I live in Black Belize, man. Hold tight, my Black Belize. I'm thinking, bro, humble yourself. Yeah, You're yeah. from Black Belize, cool. Try and be greater than what people are saying Black Belize is. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. go around shouting out from Black Belize, I can do what one, I'm this, I'm that. Because mm. you're just making everyone else from Black Belize look bad. Yeah, do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Fully. And I feel like... And as a result, I feel... I've had a few occasions where I've told people, yeah, yeah I'm from Black Belize. And they're like, no, you can't be. Mm -hmm. because you, and that, that hurts to be told that. Because you speak well, because mm. you hold yourself well, because you have aspirations. As soon as you have any of those three things, oh, you can't be from that area. Mm. I'm thinking, nah, I am from that area, but I'm trying to make better what you think of that area. Do you know what I'm saying? It's almost ironic because I feel that's why we have these aspirations. Yeah. Because yeah. we're from a place of... Yeah, like, we weren't, like, by no means, I wasn't comfortable growing up. Like, that's, mm. it wasn't a comfortable area growing up. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? I, there wasn't, like, abundance of wealth, but we, 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 we acknowledge that and we acknowledge what people think of it. And then we thought, you know what, let's... Let's do what, whatever it takes, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But now I feel like people are just like, yeah, Black Belize, or yeah, grime, yeah, da, da, da. Like, this area, like, we're G'd up. Like, we're yeah, G'd yeah. up, this is the streets. Like, we can do whatever we want. We're gonna, we're gonna run these streets. I'm thinking, bro, you're doing the exact opposite of what we did. Yeah, like, yeah. we were like, oh, you lot think this area is a joke? Come, let's show you. We're gonna get A's in school. We're gonna go to uni. We're gonna exactly. do this. Yeah, but yeah. now, it's a shame because it's like, which is, people are destroying themselves. Yeah, yeah. And especially in Oxford, it's sad to see because it seems like now, compared to our generation, no one has any aspiration at all mm. to achieve greater than their little bubble. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I almost don't want to say that because I don't really know the generation. Yeah, now. so like... But I hope that there is people. Yeah, so I mean, like, I've always seen it in Oxford because it's like a very, it's a very small environment, but it's big at the same time. People are comfortable staying in Oxford. Yeah. I've always seen that and I've always been like, oh, like, I wouldn't really be comfortable doing that. But you know what? You want to do that, do your thing, just make the most of your experience while you're here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But now I feel like... People don't even want to make the most. They're just like, yeah, I'm from Oxford. I'm just going to stay here forever. I'm going to go to school. And I'm going to drop out. And then I'm not going to do anything after that. I'm just going to be about maybe sell drugs, maybe do that, maybe do that. I'm thinking that's not the way to go. Really? I feel like you need to have aspiration. I feel like that's what Oxford lacks a lot of. Mm. I think, again, that's down to this, that classism thing. 
where it's like, oh yeah, nah, we'll, the white people that live in all these nice houses, they're the ones that are going to do all of that. Yeah. They're the schools, the ones in school that are going to do everything. You guys are just here to just add numbers. And I feel like it's causing a lack of growth. And I feel that's what's holding Oxford back. Because mm. there's a lot of talent in Oxford. But people are so obsessed with being in Oxford mm. and not reaching out and expressing that, oh yeah, I'm from Oxford, but I do this, I can do that everywhere else. Mm. People forget about doing all those things, then they just plateau. It's interesting. I feel there's that, that same dichotomy that I think Nas may have mentioned it. Yeah. And I think there's a similar situation with Oxford where people want to get out of the hood, mm-hmm. but they never want to improve the hood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think I'm definitely a victim of that. I got to a stage where I thought, I need to just get out of Oxford if I want to pursue these aspirations. Exactly like me. I realised that if I stay in Oxford the rest of my life, I'm just going to be that 40-year-old DJ whose biggest gig was in Attic. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm not doing that, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing that. That's it. No offense I'm, to Attic, but... No offense <laughs> to Attic, but... You have to have aspirations. And like you said, you just say, well, I'm from Oxford. I'm not ashamed of it. Like, but I need to go everywhere else. Like, that's just how it is in life. Like, mm. if you look at our parents and stuff, they've all left wherever they came from and they went and did, did other things and yeah. achieved stuff. But you can't just stay in the same spot and expect your life to change because yeah, it just yeah. won't happen. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't really put it better myself. <laughs> like, all the questions I was looking to ask you, you essentially answered. Um, but let's go back to, like, you mm-hmm. um, and your music. Where are you based now? Are you uh-huh. based in London? Or based in Literally 50-50. Okay. Well, I would say 75 in Oxford. Yeah. I like London. I lived there for like I think two or three years. Mm-hmm. But I realised there's so many things you can get distracted by. Mm. That if you weren't born into that environment, it becomes very hard to, to kind of like juggle everything. So I'm I, feeling that right now, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? You've been in, in, in London for three years. Hmm. Everything you've done in London, you could have done in Oxford. Just go back to Oxford. So I thought, enough. let me just go back to Oxford. So I came back to Oxford and I was like, yo, it's actually chilling being in Oxford because you can focus. Yeah. Because you're not distracted by this restaurant, that shop, this event, that event. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, cool, I'm in Oxford, I'm doing whatever. On the weekend, there might be something, but during the week, it's dead. Hmm. So I just did that for about a year and then now I'm like, cool, I need hmm. to really have my, what do they say, my feet in, or the toes in both ends of the pool or something, I don't yeah. know. So I'm just like, yeah, the best way to do it is literally to, for me, the way that I found it worked is be based in Oxford mainly, or most of the time, yeah. but don't forget that if you're not doing stuff in London, people are just going to forget about you. Yeah, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Thing. You have to have your working life in Oxford, yeah. so to speak. So I'm thinking like, the, ultimately, I would probably just end up either living in Oxford, home, like having my home in Oxford and going to London to work, mm. or near Oxford or yeah. somewhere similar. Because it's, to me, it's in a perfect location. Yeah, yeah. Literally anywhere in the country is like 45 minutes away. <laughs> it's true, yeah, yeah. It's very central. Here. Yeah, so I'm just like, you know what? This is actually the perfect place. And yeah, yeah. I guess when I come to a stage where I'm going to have kids and raise a family, this is where I'd want to raise them as opposed to raising them in London. There's nothing, I have nothing against London, but I feel like there's more challenges. I want to raise kids in yeah. London. I feel like there's a lot more challenges yeah. for raising a child in London than you have distractions. Yeah. You're hitting yeah. on the head yeah. when you said distractions. Mm-hmm. I fully feel that. I find it difficult to leave London sometimes. Like I, even coming to Oxford to see my parents, yeah. I just think, yeah, but there's this night. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's this going on. There's that going on. And then you realise, like, wow, like, Oxford, so rubbish, there's nothing ever going on in Oxford. But then but if from, you've got a craft that you can focus on, it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. Just be in a country. Yeah, exactly. In a country? <laughs> in a, yeah, exactly. quiet space. It's, um, I saw from your Twitter as well, you've got um, music coming up, seven tracks? Yeah. Uh, no, seven different tracks. It's crazy, like... You're doing a Kanye West? Yeah, man, <laughs> literally. The music industry is... Um, one thing I've learned is that the music industry is ruthless mm. ruthless like mm. like they will use and abuse you yeah, yeah. and because I've seen it happen to so many people and then just throw you away yeah, yeah. it's a lot of, like there's a lot of artists that have big tracks mm. and you're like where, where's this person now 
Why didn't they release a follow up? Yeah, yeah. And he always saying, "Oh, he must have got lazy." But at the end of the day, it's probably not he even got. It's not that he even got lazy. It's probably just the music industry or his label just stopped effing with him. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I did wear dollars. I was like, cool. I've had reasonable success for this track. Let me follow it up. I made a track called Vibrate. I wanted it as my um, second single option. Really cool uh, video as well. Thank you. I like the video. Thank you. I, I, yeah, so I, I did Vibrate and I thought, you know what, let me do this independently and then let it get signed instead of letting a label work on it. Mm. So I did that and then my label were like, yo, this track's banging. Like, mm. yeah, we really want to take this track on. Like, oh, cool, let's, we'll offer you something for it. Cool. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Waiting for the offer, waiting for the offer, waiting for the offer. And little did I know there was things going on behind the scenes with my management at the time and the label that I was unaware of. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting down thinking, like, what's going on? Like, hmm. they, don't, they haven't said anything. And then the label's like, actually, we'll probably pass on this one and take another one. So I'm like, oh, fair enough. If that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Mm. And then literally that weekend, Radio 1 Extra playlisted it in December. Station. Well, I think it was November and it was literally on playlist for like two and a half months. Nice. All the way from uh, end of December to January. Yeah. I'm thinking, wow, these people really didn't want to sign this track, they, but it's yeah. been on playlist for this song. But at that time, I was like, all right, if this is how the music industry is, where you're going to literally put your, your life in other people's hands, like literally. Yeah. They control your life because... People have bills to pay. People have other things to pay. Yeah, yeah. It's like, if this is how the music industry is, I need to be smart about it. So I um, looked at my contract and everything, and I was like, cool. I can either release tracks on this label or then be signed as an artist and think, yeah, I've done what I've, most people want to do. Or I can really, really look at this situation that I'm in and think, how can I make the most of the situation? It might not benefit me 100% right now. Mm. How can I make a career out of it? More than just like a five minutes of fame thing. Mm. So I sat down and I thought, you just need to have solid music. Mm. I said, I could get, because I could, I could have given all these labels some trash songs that I made like a year or two years ago. Yeah. I was like, nah, I like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, let me make some solid music. And when I tell you, it took me like, two years to make really solid tracks mm. like so I just did that and I thought you know what I've got my my production skills my music where I want to be like now is the time to to like start speaking to the labels again you know okay. what I'm saying so in the meantime between wet dollars and now I was just doing like remixes I was gigging a lot yeah and now I've just been like cool music let me just focus I made some like I made some tracks that I know are better than Wet Dollars on a production level and on a like a listener level as well. Mm -hmm. And I know that they're gonna do better than Wet Dollars. Do mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So I was like, cool. I made one now. Let me make another. So then I ended up making about seven nice. solid tracks. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm just in literally in the process of signing everything and then getting releases done. Nice. Yeah. So. Uh, it's, uh, hopefully, I'm not even going to say hopefully, so the coming few months and next year should be massive. It's exciting, man. It's yeah. good to see another fucking close resident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Is there anything in particular you want to plug? Um, global warming's a serious issue. <laughs> um, no, nah, there's nothing I want to plug in. Just my music's coming soon. My Instagram, uh, Taser Official, follow that. Twitter, Taser underscore official. Um, yeah, just look out for my music and yeah. That's Thank it. you so much for doing this. No bro. problem, it was fun, man. It was and fun. If you would like to, I'll be happy if you want to send the tunes. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll send them to you. I'll, send, I'll start sending them out. Yeah, so nice I'll send them to you. But yeah, like, wait, did she go to my school? Anyways, <laughs> but yeah. What, did they go like looking in? Yeah, I thought it was, but it's not, I don't think it's the same person. But, um, Actually, yeah, we didn't even talk about school. You yeah. went to St. Greg's, didn't you? Yeah, I went to St. Greg's. What school did you go to? I went to Oxford Community School. Where? Oh. the Marsh. Oh yeah. yeah, I went to St. Greg's, man. It was an okay school at the time. It was a really bad school now, apparently. I was kind of envious. Of oh, St. Greg's? Well, I was initially, <laughs> yeah. but like, in hindsight, yeah. I'm really proud of it. Uh -huh. 
Because like our school, like academically, mm-hmm. I remember there was some stat that came out. It was after I did my GCSE, so my year group. Mm. There's 33 schools in the county. Yeah. We came 33rd in terms of huh. like GCSE results. And I remember saying Greg's came like 12th. And I was well jealous, thinking, oh, it's, <laughs> it's an affluent school. But in hindsight, looking back at it, we had some amazing creatives at our school. Mm-hmm. We had like a really nice vibe. There was never any fights. I remember at your school, there was a couple of like, you know, bully-like characters that upset the kind of... <laughs> yeah, man. Also, like, my school was weird, but mm. I feel like because it, it was two schools mm. and it became one, mm. you can't do that. Is it Cardinal Newman? Or Cardinal something? Newman in St. Augustine's. That's the one. I, I don't think you can do that. And you might have blazers. Because we yeah. had blazers. <laughs> we were the first school in, like, the first, like, community school in Oxford to have blazers yeah. and we got ripped. We like <laughs> got <Yeah>. ripped. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I hated it, but, Yeah. They took two schools, put them together. I'm thinking, what the hell did you think would happen? Yeah, Obviously, yeah. there's going to be friction. Yeah, we yeah. haven't grown up together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, but it was, it, the school was okay. But I feel like a lot of um, Oxford, a lot of things about Oxford is the fact that it was so small. So it didn't feel like the, we were like in different yeah, we were like, like parts of the world. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like even your friend goes to Oxford, your other friend goes to Piers, your other friend goes to Chain, you're yeah, still yeah. friends. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, but Piers was butters though. Yeah, no. Nah. Back in the day, but really. <laughs> they didn't wear uniforms, did they? That's why I was so upset because we came behind Piers in the results. Whoa, like, that was a big. That must have been a big deal there. Yeah, yeah Piers was. Insane. But now Piers is the best school, I think. The best like community school in Oxford. Yeah, like, they did well, man. Changed. Even my godson goes there, and I pick him up, and I'm thinking, wow, this isn't the Piers I knew. I'm like, this is weird. Like, you all behaved. Yeah, yeah. Fully, man. But yeah, once again. Thank you so much. No problem. Sorry I kept you from meeting your breaks as well. I noticed like... No, nah, it was me. I kept talking. That's I kept right. talking. It's all right. It's all right. But I've, 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 I've eaten enough, I think. So. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you very much. Thank you for the food as well.